Hello and welcome to the Impact at Home podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you the very best professional learning to help you make an impact in your school. Our In Conversation with guest today is Professor Rob Coe, Director of Research and Development at Evidence-Based Education, Senior Associate at Educational Endowment Foundation and previously Professor of Education at Durham University. Rob, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for joining us this morning and for sparing some time in what has been a really challenging time to be working in education. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's lovely to, to see you, but we can't actually see you. <laughs> we have Zoom, yeah. don't we? Sorry about that. I don't know quite my camera's not working. <laughs> I can see you. Please, let's, let's, let's take the blame out of this. It's the technology. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't really matter because it's a podcast, so no one else will know. Yeah, that's right. No, it's a great pleasure. I'm a, I'm a bigger admirer of the work you've been doing in Impact Wales, and I'm delighted to be having the chance to talk to you about assessment, which is what could be more interesting than that. Indeed. And to be honest, um, assessment in Wales is, is a massive um, issue, concern, worry, thing at black the moment hole. black hole yes i like to think of it yeah. well i don't like to think of it as a sinkhole but it is it, it feels like uh, just a hole at the moment because just to, to fill people in um those of you who are listening in in wales but also people who are listening outside of wales we're in the midst at the moment of um a, a curriculum and assessment uh, redesign redevelopment uh, due to be completed in september 2022 so we're we're definitely uh, under the clock for this, uh, yeah. but we've had very little information out about uh, assessment. So, um, how do how do curriculum and assessment actually fit together, Rob? <laughs> Big <laughs> question yeah, to start with. We, we just start with the small uh, peripheral yeah. issues, shall we, and yeah, work yeah. out the big ones. Let's go straight yeah. for it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, yes. I, I hear what you're saying about this being a, a particular pressure point if you like in Wales I think it is everywhere actually and right. I think mm -hmm. it is also perennially it's not you know there are changes in curriculum and assessment different kind of regimes or ways of thinking about assessment come and go but there, it's always a problem I think it's a problem because assessment is quite hard to do well that's one of the challenges it's also a problem because assessment uh, particularly where it's linked with some kind of accountability and you know that's always complicated I know that assessment has a sort of driving the focus of curriculum and even where it's not you know it may not be that schools are held to account in Wales and perhaps the same way they are in England for example <clears throat> but nevertheless uh, students need to do well on on exams mm. and so those exams have a, a kind of backwash effect on the the whole of the rest of the curriculum and this uh, this issue about combine um coordinating curriculum and assessment is also so important and so hard to tell what we really want from assessments particularly assessments that matter so things you know the high stakes yeah. end of it um is that the the kinds of learning that we really value and we could sit down and say what is it we want and actually you know the curriculum for wales does that and i think it does it really well uh, in terms of the, the intention and the values, that's yeah, really clear. We'd all, we'd all agree with that. So what we want is assessments that if you achieve those aims of the curriculum, so you achieve the kinds of learning and the kinds of dispositions and the kinds of outcomes that, that you want young people to have, then you will also do well on the assessments that matter. Because Indeed, if you get that... 
that that is something that is um, about the Welsh curriculum that is really, like you say, really important is that we have these four purposes uh, and that, you know, we should know by the end of education whether pupils have actually achieved those purposes. But I think when we're thinking about assessment, the link with accountability is problematic and that's that's kind of where we are at the moment we've just had yesterday we had a, a an estin which is our equivalent of ofsted um thematic report come out and looking at secondary schools and how well they are uh, preparing for uh september 2022 or not yeah, and yeah. one of the things that was mentioned in there was the fact that because of the historic link between assessment and accountability and because there's no information about how it might be linked in the future um, schools are holding off from designing curriculum and designing assessment arrangements because they don't know any kind of uh, uh, details about the measurement. Yes, I mean, accountability is a very subtle and complex thing in the way it influences people's behaviour. And it isn't just, you know, when you look across the border to England, you see a, what looks like a, a rather odd system, you know, really high stakes accountability, lots of pressure, uh, Ofsted with a particular model of, of quite punitive, I think, um, is how it's perceived and, and probably rightly. Um, uh, and things should be quite different in a different environment where those things don't apply. But actually, the mindset is often very similar that people want to do well against the measures that are the ones that are counted. No yeah. one's job is on the line necessarily. No league tables are going to get published. But these things still matter to schools and, and knowing whether you're doing well for the young people that you serve still matters. And so it should actually. Absolutely. So um, I, I, I think it doesn't change people's behaviour as much as we sometimes think it might. Having right. a really intensive high pressure accountability as opposed to a more low key. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's taking it back into the classroom, isn't it? What really matters. Yeah. yeah when you're face to face with pupils in in the classroom is it and it's thinking about where as a classroom teacher would you start with assessment what comes first yeah well so, that, what comes first is the is the learning that you value so that statement of, of values and mission and educational purpose that that's always where you have to begin i think and then you have to think about trying to make that really specific. So what does that actually mean? So that's where this starts to get hard. You know, we can say we want learners who are creative and um, entrepreneurial and who have lots of good knowledge. And, you know, we can make these abstract and grand sounding statements and no one's really going to disagree with any of those things at that point. When we start saying, OK, what does that mean? How would that be in the language of research? We'd say, how would that be operationalized? In other words, what, what kind of manifest observable behavior would you count as evidence of that thing? And in assessment, what that normally means is uh, piece, marks on a piece of paper that children have made with a pen in response to a question that they read on another piece of paper. But so can I ask you a question about the kind of the situation in Wales? So we've got our curriculum for Wales and we have within the curriculum for Wales, we've got areas of learning and experience which cover um, say um, um, we've got humanities which covers the traditional humanities subjects RE's um, history and geography and there are what matters statements that cover everything from um, age three to age 16 so four or five what matters statements about the you know the big ideas within that area of learning experience but then we have this progression continuum 
of with five progression steps at different ages. Um, and within each progression step, there are what's called these descriptions of learning, mm -hmm. which to a certain extent, well, they certainly were, they were originally called achievement outcomes and then their name changed, but the actual content of the, the statements didn't change that much. And they're narrative descriptors on which the curriculum is supposed to be based. You know, things like um, I can infer and induce um, from a text, yeah. uh, deduce from a text. So what do you think, what do you imagine teachers would have to do with those statements in order to create assessment that really works? Okay, yeah, so this is a pretty standard pattern of things. And, and also slightly cynically, let me say, if you work in education long enough, you do see the same thing rebranded with different names quite often. <laughs> So we can call them learning outcomes, we can call them performance descriptors, we can call them, you can call them whatever you like. But basically, they are the starting point right. for specifying and getting agreement about what the curriculum is. What the curriculum is means what do we want young people to learn and be able to do. Exactly. So we start with descriptors, which are things like, yeah, I can read a piece of text and deduce what's happening or make inferences or let's say something like that. It's yeah. A little bit more uh, precisely than that but not a lot more and that's the problem mm. that even uh, you so you've got this trade-off then when you try to introduce descriptors between trying to be really precise so it actually means something yeah um on the one hand but on the other hand wanting it to have a bit of generality yeah so if i say i can deduce from text well what kind of text and what kind of deductions mm. so that might be something that um, you know say a six-year-old can do they they can definitely deduce things from text or it might be something that challenges uh you know post-doctorate phd candidate yeah. so yeah. it's not actually terribly that's the full range of people who can read essentially yeah, yeah. so it's not terribly helpful until you start to specify the problem is when you do start to specify so you might say you know i can read the chapter one of harry potter philosopher's stone and i can deduce that yeah. well then okay great but that doesn't have any kind of generality so uh that's always really difficult and at the end of the day these descriptors take you so far and no further in my view you have to then also have examples of the kinds of tasks that you want people to do so that doesn't right. define so i can deduce from text i might have an example that that gives people a paragraph of text and then asks them some specific questions about their interpretation of what's going on in that text. And if they can answer those questions correctly, then I'm gonna infer that yes, they can do this thing. Now, once I've done that, I've specified some tasks or questions. Yeah. Um, and ideally, depending what kind of response it is, I might also specify or give some examples of um, typical or good responses to that. So if, if my criterion is that I can, um, I can plan and write a, an essay that collects information together and presents it coherently or something like that, yeah. well, I need to see, you know, you show me an example that you think meets that criterion, yeah. uh, one that meets it well, one that just meets it, one that's a bit below that, that would be useful. And then I start to have an idea what that actually means. So, so it's the descriptors, it's the tasks, and it's the exemplars. And when you've got those three things, I think you start to be, you start to have defined a curriculum. You haven't defined it, 
if you've only done one of the three things. So, so the, the job of work for teachers in Wales is actually to look at the descriptors of learning, to decide what they mean in their context for their curriculum, to build the curriculum around the, that, that what it means, the yeah. um, tasks, yeah. and then to have examples of pupils meeting those tasks yeah. in a way that actually they feel, yes, they're ready to move on. Yes, and in a sense, if you've done all that, and I mean, you know, that's easy for us to say, it's a few well, words to say, yeah. it. it's a, an awful lot of work to do it. And one of the worries is that there's a lot of uh, reinventing of wheels going on in a, in a not very systematized way by people who, you know, that's a, quite an inefficient way to, to do this process, I think, and, and not ideal. But once you've done that, so if I'm teaching a particular topic and yeah. or an idea or a theme and I'm clear what I've got those descriptors, but I'm also really clear that these are the kinds of questions or tasks that I want the students to be able to do at the end of it. And I and these these are examples of the kind of products that I want them to be able to produce the kind of writing or the kind of answers or the kind of problems they can solve or uh, the kinds of you know it might be drama or all, all sorts of productions of different kinds let's be quite general about that but once I'm really clear about what those endpoints are then actually designing the lessons and yeah. the, 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 the teaching sequence that leads to that for a, for a teacher who's done it before is a relatively trivial part of the job because I know exactly what I want my students to be able to do I want them to be able to write essays that are just like this one okay so, so really really good assessment has to start at the end absolutely yeah you have to know where yeah. where you're ending up in order to put all of the steps before that actually yes. in place yes and that end in a sense so I've talked about the tasks as being one of those three things well that's really assessment yeah mm -hmm. giving people tasks to do usually questions to answer yeah uh, and their response is in some way judged evaluated marked scored i mean that is a description of assessment so i would say in in some ways when you think about curriculum you you do need to start with the assessment well start with a, a kind of general sense of where what your curriculum needs to be then you need to focus in and, and define that assessment and then work back to the detail of, okay, so what are the implications in terms of the kinds of activities and the sequencing and the, the way I'm going to present this to, to students? So in a way, teachers in Wales could be forgiven for not wanting to design in secondary school, certainly not wanting to design curriculum um, if they don't, still don't know what the qualifications are going to look like, because at the end of year 11, pupils are going to sit external qualifications and yeah. the curriculum needs to support their progress towards that. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you've ever taught in secondary schools, uh, which I have a long time That's, ago, then you know that, you know, your, your whole thinking about how do I prepare mm. uh, students? How do I design my curriculum? What do I want them to learn? is in large parts and maybe dominated by, maybe wholly influenced by what they need to know and be able to do and reproduce uh, the kind of productions they need to, to produce in order to do well on those GCSEs or whatever those qualifications are. Exactly, um, and it's not just, it's not just um, governments actually 
making you accountable to those qualifications. You actually want it for the pupils as well, because yeah. those qualifications, Absolutely. you want them to get the best grade so that they can then use that for the next stage, whatever it is. It's no. not just it being counted by someone. It counts for the pupils as well. But yeah. if, if you also look at our primary colleagues, because I know we've got many listeners mm. from, from that those phases as well, it's thinking about what do they want their pupils to know and to have by the time they get to year six and how is the whole of their curriculum throughout foundation phase and yeah. key stage two helping teachers support that and get into that that goal ready for secondary absolutely yeah and and even even at a finer level so if i'm teaching year one mm. then part of what i need is to make them ready to for the year two curriculum yeah yeah and then year two for year three and so on so each yeah. bit has to fit together yeah. Because one of the things, this is a thing that when I was a teacher, I, I didn't realise, and I've sort of realised since, um, too late now, I suppose, for me, but maybe for others not, is that when students struggle with the, the thing you're teaching them, I was a maths teacher, and, you know, it'd be something like ratio, say, where they just found it really, really hard. What I didn't realise was that the problems they were having with that topic were almost always not to do with that topic. They were to do with things that they should have learned previously and they hadn't in many cases. So that's the kind of accountability that really matters, I think. You know, if I'm trying to teach ratio in, in year nine or whatever, then it, it matters that in year seven or whenever they did certain um, number work, for example, yeah. that was really, really secure that they knew their, their multiplication facts, for example. It is so important to make sure that pupils have not just the, the foundational knowledge, but they get those, those, and I know they've been described as threshold concepts, those key concepts that without them, um, yeah. you, you're missing out on a huge understanding. I mean, in, as an English teacher, one of the things that um, I would consider a threshold concept is the understanding that word order actually makes a difference to meaning. Yep. That, you know where you put the words and, and getting pupils to understand that is once they know that then their understanding of being able to you know critically assess um style is so important and i think that um it is like you say we have this conversation with teachers so much about uh, what's the point in coverage covering the entire curriculum if your pupils haven't grasped the important things yeah yeah yeah, and I think again, that's another. You know, if we're on a list of things that I uh, failed to do well while I was a teacher, this would <laughs> I be think another we could one. We all agree with that list. The idea yeah. that we always want to be better. Every student needs to master these ideas. You know, yeah, yeah. I think I took it as uh, accepted and acceptable and for granted that yeah, we would try and you know we'd put these ideas in front of them. Yeah. And a proportion of them would understand, and uh, quite a big proportion mm -hmm. wouldn't, and we'd just move on anyway because mm -hmm. that's what you did. It was inevitable. And actually, that's not so when you go into the best schools, mm. you know, I've since been into schools where they say, no, actually, that's not what we're going to do. If kids haven't mastered this idea, we don't give up at that point. We keep going and they all get it. Absolutely. That, that's an approach which people talk a lot about mastery learning. And it's yeah. one of those things that's banded around. That's really the core idea behind the, I would say, true mastery learning, the, the stuff that's been evaluated and shown to be really effective is that you change your attitude about is it okay for kids to move on even though they haven't understood yeah, the yeah. Important I, think, I, I think it's also really important for those teaching you know 
younger children to know what they're teaching, how that fits in with the end goal at 16 as well. So yes. how those building blocks really do develop. As the, so you're looking, they're looking at the far end rather than just yes. their own year group as well. Yeah, because yeah. I can remember, I mean, I'm sure we can all remember children entering secondary school. And as an English teacher, I used to um, have children entering secondary school who really were sort of on the cusp of being non-functional readers. And you think, well, almost at this stage, it's almost too late. It's such a, a yeah. much harder job when they yeah. are that much further away from the beginnings of education to actually fix some of those problems. Yes, I think so. And another, you know, I think when teachers work together with with teachers in other phases, for example, yeah. they can get real insights into what's yeah. going on. Or even just the year one teacher who has a, a year teaching year six and sw switches yes. around and they realise, OK, so this is where they need to get to at uh, that point and so my job is to set them on that journey whereas if you always just teach year one you just think okay this is you know business as usual mm -hmm. here's what we do and you don't necessarily get that wider picture of where the destination is so to, to answer the first question really curriculum yeah. and assessment are indivisible they are the same they thing. completely are yes and pedagogy also yeah so then that comes down to well what are we actually going to do in the classroom how are we going to manage that process what kinds of activities what kinds of questions what kind you know so all of that is then linked in with curriculum which is also then linked in with assessment they are indivisible really yeah there's parts of the same whole um is it possible to assess things other than knowledge and skills i mean i'm thinking particularly about things like uh, the four purposes and dispositions you know mm -hmm. how, how would you um, assess someone's resilience for example okay well um, I would say yes it, it's always possible and uh, I used to teach a, a master's program in assessment educational assessment and my starting point just to kind of get some discussion going at the beginning was to get, ask the students to think of some things that they thought could be measured right mm. things that they thought couldn't be measured okay so on the could be measured they would think you know come up with things like maths and um arithmetic you know simple things like that that they're common people are used to having measured mm. on the things that couldn't it would be things like happiness and love and yeah you know well uh, and then of course they'd be surprised to hear actually there are instruments for measuring happiness yes psychologists will you know quite tell you quite happily yes we can measure that yeah. and indeed you can so all of these things can be measured the question isn't is there some uh, has somebody somewhere attempted to to specify some process for capturing and turning that that vague idea or that you know concept into a number um, in assessment theory the crucial thing is about validity is how you then want to use that number what kinds of interpretations you want to make now, one of the problems with these disposition type uh, measures, yes, you can measure them. What you find when you, and trying to measure them is a, is a really useful thing to do. Yeah. And one of the reasons it's useful is because it, you realize that actually they're often not as general as you think they might be. Yes, so we might talk specific. about a happy person or a, a person who's self-confident or a person who is resilient Mm. And we think that's a, a kind of general trait that applies to the whole person. But actually, when you try and measure it, what you find is that it quite is quite dependent on context. Yes. Do you know, it was um, funny. We were doing a session with a, a, a primary school, the Greig in, um, in Wales, about resilience. And actually, we were talking about, well, how, how would you feel about giving a speech in, um, you know, how to plan a lesson? 
And how would you feel about giving a speech in quantum physics? Yeah. And obviously, you know, you'd feel far more confident with something you know a lot about. So it's it, it, confidence <laughs> and resilience can be highly context specific. Yes. I'm sure there are other examples of that as well. well. Yeah, resilience, I think, is a really good example, because what does that mean? It means that when things are hard or when you're uh, not successful, yeah. you don't just give up, you you keep going. OK, so why might we do that? Human beings are generally speaking pretty um, uh, thoughtful and, and to some extent rational anyway. So the reasons we give up on things is because we've learned that actually it isn't worth persisting. And that's a, actually a quite a sensible thing to do, you know, try, yes. try, try again. It's a survival technique. Like all proverbs and, and really bad advice in other times. And what yeah. the proverbs don't tell you is, well, when is it right to keep trying and when is yes. it right to give up? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of practical value, they're, they're quite limited. But our, our heuristics that we use tend to be based on our own experience of whether we've been successful or not. Can I so, just can I just say heuristics are like a, a mental shortcut to things? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly that. They're the, they're the sort of tools that we use to make decisions. Yeah. yeah. Without having to have a, a sort of complicated analysis. So um, the best way, I would say, to help people to be resilient is to give them experiences that are challenging. Yeah. Perhaps give them experiences where they're initially not successful, but guide them through and help them and support them and allow them to be ultimately successful. Yeah. So what it's, that pleasure of, it's that pleasure of success in an area yeah. that they think they, yeah. they wouldn't have been successful. It's, it's reteaching them how to feel about a particular area or context where their expectation is failure it's, yeah, it's so doing it, the amount of scaffolding that they need mm, to yes. be able to get them to exactly. that point isn't it and that's when when you see a great teacher do that in a classroom or with even just working one-to-one -one with a child and they they know that child they have that relationship they know just how hard to push them yeah, yeah. You know, they don't give them too much help because one of the worst things you can do is help them too much yeah so yeah. scaffolding is about just the, just the necessary. Yes. So they still have to stretch a bit, but they can just reach. And that's a really hard judgment to make. And then the other thing about scaffolding is you take it away. Mm. Once they've made that connection, then, and you think, okay, they've got this, then you make it harder again by taking away some of that scaffolding so that they can then come back and do it independently. And if you do that well, then what that, that youngster experiences is yes, the challenge of being stuck, of not knowing what to do, of thinking I can't do this, mm. coming through it and ultimately experiencing success. And because they don't have that memory of that process that just yeah. because something seems hard at first, it doesn't mean that I won't ever be able to do it. They then develop what we might call resilience, which is a willingness and an ability to meet that similar situation again and not give up because yeah. they've learned that giving up isn't isn't necessarily the best thing to do in that situation so assessment in that situation is about um, showing the progress that a pupil is making even in a situation where that progress is about understanding that they can do it so yeah so coming back to your question i apologize looking at all but, kinds of things so the question can you assess resilience uh, then it, that starts to seem quite problematic because how would you assess it? You'd assess it by trying to give people things that are just a bit too hard for them at the moment mm. and seeing whether they give up and, and, uh, and don't succeed or whether they persevere and do end up succeeding. Or you go for some kind of proxy, which might be 
you know, asking them uh, their, what they say they would do, for example, yeah. that's one of the ways people do it, or by perhaps asking somebody else about them. You might ask the teacher to give a rating. So none of those are really perfect because they don't actually capture the behavior. Yeah. And if you want to capture the behavior, you start to think, well, if what I'm interested in is, um, uh, so, so if what I'm trying to do is to give them situations that are, that are really challenging and see whether they come good in the end, how is that different from just assessing their learning? Because ultimately that's really what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I think you end up with this kind of full circle where you're actually back to where you started. If we value resilience, yeah. we value it because it, it's a, a disposition that helps people to be successful in a range of contexts. And in, but we can capture that actually with the kinds of assessments we've got already, which are capturing learning, the knowledge, the skills, the, the curriculum, in other words, that we're teaching. So disposition isn't in a way a separate thing. It's a requirement for being a successful learner. Yes. And although it's useful for a teacher to know about it because their judgment about how hard do I push that individual child on, on this day has to take into account resilience. It's not necessarily, certainly not quite of the same order of importance as the, the curriculum learning itself as being an end point, I would argue. I think just just hearing you talk about um, resilience and knowing the position it's it's um, it is in the Welsh curriculum that it's one of the four purposes statements. It's mentioned. Um, it's implied in so many of the four purposes statements. Yes. Outrightly, mm -hmm. um, you know, detailed in a, a couple of them. It yeah. it makes me uh, think that assessment and creating effective assessment is a very very complex job and it's something that um, probably takes years to really master um, and you know the task ahead of teachers in Wales um, for those um, schools who've already started to build their curriculum but haven't really thought in any detail about the assessment arrangements maybe that was slightly back to front mm -hmm. but you know we've got 18 months between now and September 2022 it's a it's a very tall order yes so uh, if we talk about assessment in detail, I would say one of the things that uh, assessment's really easy to do. Anyone can just write an assessment and, and give it to a bunch of kids. So that's quite deceptive though, because assessment is very easy to do. Good assessment is very, very hard to do. Yeah. So like all things in life, what matters is quality. And one of the things, I guess this is a, a kind of Dunning-Kruger thing, isn't it? Where if you don't really have a lot of expertise in assessment, one of the things you don't know is how much you don't know yes. about the thing that you think you know. Yeah. And you know, that's true in general, but it's definitely true in assessment. I mean, we do, as, as you know, we, we run a, uh, offer a program in assessment, assessment lead program. And one of the commonest things that I've heard teachers say who do it, I mean, they, they love it, they think it's great, is I didn't realize how much I didn't know about assessment. And yeah. these are teachers who've been teaching for many years, doing assessment, yeah. thinking they had it all sewn up and they get on this program and it starts to make them question a whole lot of stuff that they hadn't even thought about. And there's just so much to assessment. It, you know, it isn't yeah. what, you, what you just know from being a classroom teacher. There's much, much more to it. Absolutely. That. And we, we've, seen the, we've seen the courses at Evidence-Based Ed, you uh, run the assessment lead, but also the assessment essentials. And they're really excellent uh, resources for teachers to actually get to a point where they're ready to create assessment, like you say, that is high quality and is not just 
handing something to a pupil and getting them I, to do it. I think the key thing, though, for many teachers as well, it's not the assessment isn't the end. It's what you do with that assessment yeah. after you've done it. So it should lead on to something else. Yes. It's that absolutely. whole cycle, isn't it? So we talk in the, in those programmes, both of them really clear about having the purpose for your assessment really clear. And the purpose means, yeah, what are you going to do differently? Yeah, yeah. So you do some kind of assessment. It leads to some kind of outcome, maybe a score or just a, a an inference about whether the, the, an answer was good or not. Let's say, you know, it, it could be a range of things. And the key point is if if that outcome is good or if that outcome is bad, is it going to make a difference to anything you then do? So are you going to say go back in your lesson and, and perhaps revisit something that you thought they might have understood and you now think because of that assessment, perhaps they don't? Or are you going to target some kind of extra support at, at particular individuals who, uh, you know, let's say your example of the, the literacy levels of the uh, children coming into year seven. So, you, you know, if you're if you're picking that up in year two, that they're behind, then you can target a, a more intensive intervention. Uh, to pick up and support that reading so they don't get left behind exactly because, you know reading is one of those things that it, it it sort of exponentially spirals on itself if you can't do it you choose not to do it and then you, yeah. you get even worse at doing it and and so on and and very quickly you're in this this terrible spiral so picking that up through an assessment and targeting an intervention is a is a good thing to do but it all comes down to being clear when you design and when you um, implement, put in, uh, ask people to do, students to do an assessment, be clear, what is it I'm going to do differently yeah. according to what this assessment tells me? And if the answer to that is nothing, then my advice would be, well, don't bother doing it. Then, Absolutely. It's not the end, is it? Yeah. So if, if you were um, talking to a teacher in a classroom in Wales and saying to them, um, you know, you, I recognise that you've only got 18 months left, but if there were three pieces of essential advice that you would give to them about making sure that whatever they do in terms of assessment is really excellent, what, what would those three things be? Okay, well, I, I think one would be to, um, to make sure you have access, if you don't yourself, to the kind of expertise in assessment that I think is really important. So something like the assessment lead programme, other courses are available, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying every teacher should do it, but I do think anyone who's developing assessments should have access to somebody, someone in their school or someone in the local the, the knowledge who has that knowledge. Yeah. Real specialist expertise. And, okay. and, you know, I sometimes talk about a pyramid of expertise where you need a small number of people who have a lot. Yes. And the next layer down, you need a, a slightly bigger number of people who have nearly the same levels and so on. And as you get to the bottom of the pyramid everyone needs to have a bit of knowledge but they don't need to have yeah. quite so much detail so that's one thing I think okay um, I think it's really important to be clear about the uh, what the learning is intended and how uh, any particular assessment uh, is relate you know the validity of the assessment is the extent to which the learning that you value and you want to happen is captured in that assessment and leads to students doing well in it so uh, to do that, you need to be really clear. What is the learning? What is the curriculum? What is it I want students to be able to do? And I think that's starting ways, with the end, isn't it? Yes, starting with the end. So the hardest thing is, is the thinking actually about what exactly do I want my students to be able to do? And then if you are clear about that, then actually writing an assessment um, 
is is you know much easier, much easier yeah uh, still hard and and if you do assessment properly you know as a, a i suppose a professional assessment developer if you like for a number of years when i worked in the university and it's a quite an involved process you know you you definitely write assessment items questions and then you try them out and you find probably half of them don't really work very well yeah you only know that when you actually give them to children to do yeah you can't uh, these are expert uh, item writers you know their only job is to write questions yeah on maths or reading or whatever it might be that that's all they do every day and yet half the questions they write turn out not to be ideal that's really interesting we've been involved in um assessment of trial um assessments and it's really interesting to see what responses the pupils get and it comes up with these all these unintended consequences yeah. that they, yeah. they, they do exactly. things you're yeah. not expecting like the new um numerical reasoning yeah um, it's, the, it's the responses that pupils come up with you think oh yeah. Really yeah. how can that, we yeah how can yeah. we manage that i mean so, it's it's like any kind of communication i'm always very clear what i'm saying and, and what i'm saying means exactly what i want it to mean but other people hear it and they make the most extraordinary interpretations. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's because we're human beings and people hear things differently from what you think you said. Yeah. And it's the same with assessment questions. And the third thing I would say is that you really need some collaboration here because right. if every single teacher in every single school is just reinventing this wheel for themselves, yeah. you'll end up with something that is A, not very high quality because the expertise is just uh, too thinly spread, but also just a colossal amount of time and energy will go into that and it's not a very efficient process. So we need but, to find some ways of people who are trying to solve the same problem working in some way together and coming up with a, a one solution that meets all their needs rather than multiple solutions that are unlikely to be as good and certainly going to take a lot longer to get to. But I, I would also say as well, it's that interpretation of what these descriptors mean. If you're doing that in isolation, how can we ensure we've got consistency across the nation in what these, yes. descriptors, yeah. these descriptors actually do mean? So, yes. so we've got quite a big job here in Wales <laughs> to, to be getting on with, but, but at least we, we have some idea of how to actually attack that job now. How to start. Yes. How to start, absolutely. Well, and it's we been, need resilience. Uh, yeah, yeah, we need, yes, absolutely. Plenty of resilience. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Rob, for being with us today. It's been really fascinating. It's been a great pleasure for me and uh, happy to talk to you anytime. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you, Rob. So, Jane, that was that was fascinating talking to uh, Prof Co. Rob. That really was. And I think I, I don't think I talked very much because I was too busy listening and thinking to some of the things that he was saying particularly about resilience because I know when we talked with him initially we didn't yeah. really touch on resilience did no, we? but we I didn't. think I think that's really interesting to think about you know whether it is possible to assess things like dispositions um, mm. but also would you actually want to and then if you did which element of it would you assess uh, and then what what would you do with it it just makes you realize how complex not only assessment is, but the fact that it has to fit into uh, a curriculum that supports it. So how complex the whole thing is and what a job of work there is to do in Wales between now and September 2022. There's just, it's, it's massive, but it, it does make you think back and reflect on your own practice. Mm. And there are quite a few things that Rob was saying that I thought, yeah, 
yeah yeah and you can particularly when you come back and you think about what was the what is the purpose of you doing that assessment in the first place if you're not yeah. going to act on it yeah and it's not going to inform your teaching because I, I i'll put my hand up i can quite often remember we'll do a test at the end of a unit okay right next lesson yeah. let's move on to the next unit yeah. and i think over time that evolves but for those who've got experience you begin mm. to get in that cycle and I think it's having that reflection time of thinking about what is the purpose of what we're assessing. And, and I think this is why it is, I mean, absolutely essential between now and September 2022 for every teacher who is involved directly in curriculum design and creating those assessment arrangements that every school needs to uh, put in place mm. ready for uh, the implementation of curriculum for Wales that they have the expertise within their school to actually do something with it yeah and it and it's thinking in a wider sense as well that assessment doesn't have to be the traditional test at the end no. of, a, of a topic or unit there are many many other types of assessments it's having that toolkit yeah. bag of all the different types of assessments you can be using and I think he, he did refer to the to the evidence-based education's assessment essentials course and I know we've both looked at that and I think it is yeah. a fantastic it is insight it is an amazing into, course. Yeah, to look at the insights of, and make you really reflect on why you're assessing how you're assessing and what yeah. you're assessing for yeah because this is the thing we we very rarely do this we very rarely sit down and say um you need to go out and buy this but actually I I do really believe mm. that schools do really need to go out and buy this or something very similar to this and uh, I, I'm not sure if there's anything else out there that is quite as good as this because um, how can you expect um, teachers who are very very busy with their day-to-day -day work to really understand the key principles the foundational knowledge the background to what is a very very complex subject um, quickly enough to actually be able to do something with it between now and September 2022 and I think the assessment essentials course which is quite a short course so it's, it's uh, six weeks of a, a a number a couple of hours a week isn't yeah. it for over six weeks so it's it's very accessible but it gives you that grounding that basic understanding of how assessment works and it is so much more than you know this this summative tests or even the idea of formative assessment it is so much more than that having that information that knowledge and that expertise to actually begin to start to make a difference in the curriculum design but process i think it's also the discussion around assessment we don't tend to talk about assessment no. in that depth either and no. i think assessment is assessment regardless of where you teach whether yeah. it's scotland england wales yeah ireland or further afield good assessment in the classroom is good assessment, assessment. And, and like i i love the way when rob was talking about that pyramid of expertise Mm. is that you know you would want everybody in your school to have the basics yeah. but you would need at least one or two people possibly your senior leadership team to really really fully understand the strategic importance of high quality assessment and what that would mean to curriculum development and the quality of the learning that would go on in the school the quality of the instruction that would go on in the school yeah. as a result of that but it's it's making sure you look at assessment at a whole school level yeah. not individuals in the classroom and I think Rob was quite right it's about you know even if you take it back to departmental level and mm. I'm going back to secondary again mm. assessments are something you develop as a team yeah as colleagues working together not an individual person in the classroom well, it's exactly the same in a primary school you know if you've got 
a one style of assessment happening at the end of foundation phase at the end of uh, the year and then they're going into the next year and they're doing something you know that, that tests a completely different element of that mm. particular subject then there's no way of marrying the two you need to have that continuous um, understanding of how assessment is actually uh, measuring and building on progression yeah. from one year to because we didn't really talk about progression this morning and I know no. when we had an initial discussion with Rob we did talk a lot about mm. this progression and I think it's it's thinking about when we're, we're looking in the classroom and and trying to determine are our pupils making progress from one area to mm. another if we're not building our assessments mm. so that we're measuring the same thing so we can see that progress it's pointless having a, an assessment on one thing and you get a percentage, for example, thirty-seven mm, percent, mm. and then you do measure something else, mm. and you've got a percentage of of eighty-three percent, and say, well, that child's made progress. If you're not measuring the same things, yeah, then what's the point? Exactly. So if we've got a curriculum, or we're we're building this curriculum um, ready, um, and this curriculum is based on the principle of pupil progression, then we need to get serious about assessment, yeah. and we need to start talking about it right now and talking about it openly. I mean, I think. Assessment is this, <clears throat> excuse me, hot potato and people don't like to talk about it. And there's all this very political discussion about accountability mm. and the links between the two. But this is too important to, to not talk about. And we, I mean, something that we, we are working on at the moment, we're talking about doing some uh, events next year that uh, we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about at another date when we've got a little bit more settled. Mm. But we need to start talking about assessment. We need to start digging down and understanding the foundational principles, the research behind it. And we need to do it now that it, we cannot leave it any longer. I, I think that's, I know from the discussions we've had, that's really where the theme of our podcast, particularly when we, when we had with Daisy Christodoulou a couple of weeks ago, yeah. comparative judgment, which feeds into it. And obviously this one now today with Prof Co is thinking about let's, let's use assessment and have that focus in our podcast and some of the work we're going to be doing yes. throughout the, into the spring term. And I think yeah. that's really the shift that that we're going to focus on. Yeah, um, we this can't be an aside. This, yeah. uh, you know, as as Rob was saying, that when you're thinking about assessment, you have to start at the end and it has to inform the design of your curriculum. Yeah. So, in fact, we really should have been talking about assessment before we, <laughs> we should have started yeah, talking about curriculum. But, you know, that that's maybe something that we can talk about at a later well, date. We're, but... we're reflecting, we're evaluating and, and, yeah. and, and adapting. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not just saying we as in you and I, I'm, I'm talking mm. about we as in, you know, the, the royal we, everybody in Wales or everybody um, who is a teacher needs to think about assessment first. So assessment is incredibly important. And if you don't know um, or you feel you don't know everything um, that you need to know about assessment, and let's face it, who does? Then I think it's really important that you find um, something to give you that foundational knowledge. Yeah. And the evidence-based education uh, tools um, courses are truly excellent. You can find them on uh, Twitter at evidence. Uh, isn't it education in? Um, oh my gosh, I don't know now. <laughs> evidence-based education. Evidence in edu. That's yeah. what the handle is on Twitter. Gosh, I should have done my research. Before, Did too much talking this morning. <laughs> should. Okay, I but think... but but um, say that you've heard from us. Oh, absolutely, as well, because yes. I think that's really important. Because we know, you know, if we're in Wales, yes. let's make it as well specific as we can. Absolutely. Okay. Well, 
that's the end of our podcast today. So uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes. You can find us online at www.impact.wales. You can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Impact Wales. On Facebook and Instagram, search for Impact Wales. And on LinkedIn, search for Impact School Improvement.